Welcome to Write Stuff Radio, where we showcase Christian authors worldwide. Each week, join me for a new author and a great new book to add to your library. Welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we are going to have a phenomenal time as I talk to my guest co-host and contributor today, Jared Edge. He is the author of the series, The Prophecy of the Seventh Elizabeth. Let me tell you, I am reading book one right now. It is absolutely delicious. It is a meal. It is a feast. It is a banquet. It has so much going on. If you like action, and martial arts, thrilling plots, and just an integrated cast, each of them so separate and distinct, and yet working cohesively together to tell you a brilliant story. This is the book for you. This is the series for you. The first book of the series is called A Battle Between Dark and Light, and it's available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold, so make sure you go ahead and get it today. Let me tell you, our protagonist in this book just starts off having a really bad day. And if your birthday is May 9th, it's a bad day for you, for this guy. So I can't wait to dig into the book in just a few moments. I want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years. And as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff to see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. I want to thank you for your support of my newest release called A Chance for Genevieve. It's available on Amazon exclusively. Your response has been absolutely phenomenal. And if you haven't had a chance to get it, go ahead and pick up a copy today. To stay up to date with all of our shows, simply go to pjcmedia.net, click on the pink subscribe button, and you'll never, ever have to miss a show. And so, without further ado, I'm going to introduce my guest co-host and contributor today, Jared Edge. Jared, how are you doing today? I am doing wonderful, and it is absolutely a blessing to be here. So thank you for having me. And thank you for coming onto the show. I know it's been a long time coming, but we're finally here. And just for our listeners out there, what's really interesting is that Jared reminded me that we have worked together before. And when he told me, I said, really? And we found out that we worked together on an anthology. Go ahead and tell our listeners about that anthology real quick. Yeah, the, the Birds of Passage, you know, back in 2015, I guess we were all approached to, to help with this anthology. And it was just absolutely amazing to be in there because there's so many authors in there. But I think the really, uh, the, the coolest thing about it is that your story and my story are right beside each other in this book. And both of us have unique styles of writing. So when you pick up Birds of Passage, you're picking up a collection of very distinct styles with various authors who write over a plethora of ideas. 
And this was a charity anthology. It was going for charity. I, it escapes me what the charity was for, but wanted to thank our fearless leader, Dion, for taking over that project. Had a really good time. Hopefully, maybe one day we'll do it again. So when Jared told me that we had worked together, I felt a little bad because I couldn't remember, but it had been a long time. <laughs> Interesting, Jared, how the Lord works, because now is the time we reconnect. Now's the time that we have an opportunity to get to know each other better. And what better way to do that than through the written word with your story? So I can't wait to tell our audience all about it. But before I do that, I want to know a little bit about you. So go ahead and tell us about yourself. Well, I mean, I, I guess I'm a, a simple person just like everyone else. Um, you know, I was born here in the United States in North Carolina. I grew up in Maryland, which was uh, kind of awesome. Uh, Maryland's a really good state to live in. Joined the Navy at a young age, uh, was stationed in Jacksonville, Florida for uh, for quite a while. Lived in Jacksonville and St. Augustine for a whole bunch of years and then decided to move from that awesome, wonderful weather all the way out to uh, Des Moines, Iowa uh, <laughs> with my wife and my, my four children. Uh, my four children are, are, most of them are grown. I have one still in, in high school, but everybody else is uh, already out of, out of college, which is good. Um, other than that, I mean, like I said, my, my life is pretty simple. My other life, I'm a, a SharePoint person, so I love SharePoint, so IT, programming, things like that, which kind of goes hand in hand with sci-fi, I think, for some reason. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm a work in progress is what I like to say. You know, I, I love God and, and love learning. You know, I volunteer here at the church uh, and not too far from my house here, uh, Lutheran Hope of uh, Lutheran Church of Hope in Washington, Iowa. Um, but, you know, that gives me a chance just to sit there, listen, absorb those sermons, and then see how I can integrate them in my books, you know. So I, I hope that comes through. One thing about this book is that your experience working as a programmer comes through because the story is very fluid, working with all these different threats. And you write from an omniscient point of view, and it's not a very popular one nowadays. Most people actually write from a limited first-person or third-person point of view, first or present tense things of that nature, but yours is omniscient. And sometimes if you don't know how to write omnisciently, it comes off as head hopping. But in your case, it's working wonderfully well. It is so seamless. And I said this before we started recording that it's when it's done well, it's done really well. And you've done a really great job with this book. And I can't wait to tell our listeners more about it. But I do want to know more about your writing journey. How did that begin? So uh, I will tell you that I never, ever, ever thought I would be an author. Uh, I didn't grow up planning to be an author. You know, I would rather watch a movie than read a book when I was growing up. But I, I did note that I will note if I, you know, looking back over the past that I was a good storyteller. Um, I could tell a story. I just, you know, didn't really write the stories down. Um, and I think at some point, you know how God is, he'll just deal with you, right? <laughs> Uh, and he put this movie in my head. So that's how he connected together. You know, I like to watch movies. So let me just put the movie in your head. Here's the movie. Now go ahead and write this out. And that's what I've been doing for, uh, you know, since early 2000s is just really just taking all this stuff that's sitting in my head that I can visualize in detail and really just writing it out, you know, and it's complete when the story's complete, you know, when I, when the movie ends in my head. And that's 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 different. And some people kind of are like, well, that's a weird thing to say. But I mean, it's the truth. You know, you have to take what God gives you and he knows what he's giving you and he'll turn that around and allow you to get that story out. I can definitely agree with that. Many of my listeners know how the show got started was because my husband had bought a microphone. 
that we had no use for. And he spent $150 on that <laughs> microphone. And I didn't start this show till two years later. And when he bought the microphone, all he kept saying was that it was on sale. And that's why he bought the <laughs> microphone. And I have shared how upset I was when I heard that because I couldn't understand his reason. And then two years later, when I started this podcast, the gentleman who trained me said, do you have a microphone? And I was sitting there. Yeah, I have one collecting dust in the basement. <laughs> and there you go. But that's another story for another time. And as I said, I know our listeners are very familiar with that story. I sometimes wonder, do I say the same things over and over again? But then I think, well, there may be new listeners who don't know. <laughs> so, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. It may happen again. But here we are. You're here. You're a writer. You're telling the stories. And then you start working on this story. And this story is called The Prophecy of the Seventh Elizabeth. And I want to get the title right. I have the title incorrect earlier. It is book one, and it's called The Battle Between Light and Dark. And this came out a few years ago, but I just can't help but see how re uh, relevant it is today because we are battling light and dark in so many different ways. And in this case, we're dealing with a prophecy. But this prophecy is unlike anything most of us have ever heard. And I can't wait to delve into that. But before I do that, when this idea came about, what were you doing? When did you know I have to write this story? What was that inciting event in writing technique, writing craft terms that brought this about? So that, that's a really good question. Um, I, I, I'll try to answer it this way. So a lot of authors will see that they have a book. It's a simple story. They want to get through this one message and deliver it. Other authors might have, you know, a trilogy inside of them and they see I've got this, these three pieces and I can set it up to make three different books and, and deliver it. And, and none of it came to me that way. It, it came as a universe of information. So whereas I have a character in book one, I knew from book one that this was not one book and it wasn't one series and it wasn't just two series that it, it has a beginning and it has an infinite amount of things that can be written inside of it. And I knew that from the beginning. And uh, I, again, I didn't really intend it to be that way. And I'll tell you this, which, which kind of maybe makes it clear for everybody. So I haven't, my, my aunt, uh, I love my aunt. Her name is Janice. And uh, I, when I finished writing the draft of the book and I said, hey, could you proofread this for me? She said, sure. And so I sent it to her and she called me up. She said, this is a book. <laughs> she said, I expected you to give me, you know, 30 pages or something, but what you wrote here is like a book, a real book, <laughs> you know, and, and I think that amount of surprise from her is kind of the same amount of surprise that I had from myself. Um, I remember sitting in, um, in a, a, a hotel, uh, my wife and I were on vacation and I was kind of trying to finish up a, a large portion of the book. Um, and I, I just stopped and I started laughing and she said, what's wrong? And I said, I don't think this is just one book. I think it's, I think I'm only halfway through and I've already got, you know, four or 500 pages sitting here. I was like, I don't know what, what to do with this because I was inexperienced. Like I said, my path never, never included being, you know, an author and figuring out how to do these things. So I, I think, I think that's kind of the way I sum everything up is I, I'm not an author or I, I'm a storyteller and I have this story that to me doesn't end and it's got so many paths that are in there. And it's so amazing to me that all I want to do is see it on a big screen. So when you say, you know, how did it begin? I actually went to the end first. I said, I want to see this on screen. 
but no one's going to put it on screen if I don't really write it out. And that is one of the fascinating things about learning how an author comes to their stories. You didn't set out to be a writer. It wasn't a dream of yours. You didn't have, quote unquote, the spark. It's yeah. something, but it was apparently it was already in you. And that's a question I like to ask our guests from time to time. Do you think authors are born or are they bred? It's a great question. Um, I think your circumstances sometimes lead you to do something. So maybe not necessarily mine, but I, I can definitely see where a person has an event that happens in their life and that that needs to be written down. And maybe that event is is something that, you know, God leads them to and has that story built in them. And then they can recognize that that story is there and then they write it out or someone encourages them to do it because they listen to a podcast like this. You know, I, I can definitely see that. But I also believe that, you know, God knows exactly who he created in you. He knows exactly what he's done. It's not an accident that I wrote a book or that anybody else wrote a book. He knew that that book was going to be written before you were born, you know, and if he truly gave it to you, then, you know, sometimes it's just recognizing that it's there and that you can do it, you know, and getting over some of the other things. You And to say this is, is really important. And I'm so glad you asked this question because the opposite view of that is that there is an enemy who will try to stop you from writing a story and will do every single thing he can to stop that from coming to life. And, and he'll do he'll, he'll just press and press and press. You know, and I, I try to address some of that stuff in my books them, themselves, you know, to say there's an enemy who every single time you need to take a step forward will be right there to stop you from taking that step forward. And you've got to be able to recognize that and just move past it. And so I believe that some authors are definitely born with that story in them. And then that story just, you know, something waters that and then it grows and then all of a sudden it, it, it comes to life. I love the way you answered that question because it segues into the story that we're about to talk about, which is the prophecy of the seventh Elizabeth. Even saying that, it's just brilliant. I mean, <laughs> it captures my attention. Most people don't hear prophecy and Elizabeth in the same <laughs> sentence. And there's a lot of martial arts and Eastern uh, things going on in this story. And it has this Christian worldview. It's beautiful, lots of action. A clean read for those who are interested in that sort of thing. It's a clean read, but it's not a boring read whatsoever. Like I told Jared, before we started recording, I have been just enjoying myself. So I can't wait to let our listeners just get a taste of the book. So if you want a taste of the Prophecy of the Seventh Elizabeth, it's available on Amazon. So go ahead and pick up your copy today and get the whole series. It's all available on there. But we're going to be discussing just the first one today because the first one packs a major wallop. And as I alluded to earlier in the introduction of the show, if you were born on May 9th for your birthday in this story, you are having a horrible day. <laughs> and the day starts off with you taking your wife because she's about to have a baby. And just give a hint of what happens from there, Jared. <laughs> so, I mean, and it's not really a, even a spoiler because if you uh, just read the back cover, you'll find some of this out. So, you know, you're you, you wake up in the morning, you know, uh, I like to I like to kind of phrase things this way, but especially when I'm when I'm talking to my wife about some of these things. Right. You know, you're a person you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, time to have the baby. So this has got to be the happiest day of your life. Right. And you get in the car, you know, the circumstances in the car are kind of bad because the storm in, you know, 
the rain is pouring down like cats and dogs. Your wipers are barely cleaning it off, you know, and, and I based this out of Jacksonville, Florida, because that's, I was living in Jacksonville at the time, but you know, you're on your way to the hospital, rain just coming up all over the place. Your, your spouse is like just the most loving person, but she's in pain. She's having a baby. Right. And you know, she's, 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 uh, you know, a little bit to deal with when she's having a and you're just going and you're going, and you're going and you're thinking, I, you know, this is going to be awesome. Where are the kids? The kids are going to be five, six minutes behind us, you know, and then all of a sudden that turns from this joyous day that you set out to have to the worst day of your life, you know, where not only do you, you know, uh, uh, lose your, your spouse and not because of natural circumstances, but because, you know, of a car accident. Then from that point on, you know, everything is, is, it's harsh. It's really dark. It's like, you know, you, you lost this, this person, you wake up from, from being in a coma because of the, the damage of the accident. And then all of a sudden you find out the baby is also missing, you know, and where do you go from there? You know, and if you could think of that in a real life circumstance or no, no, not in a real life circumstance, but in a Hollywood circumstance, I think where you would go from there is, okay, I'm going to go get revenge and uh, I'm going to be a vigil Annie. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I work for the FBI already. I'm going to use that power of my badge and I'm going to go out and I'm going to, you know, bang in some heads until I can find some answers and get back what, what was lost. And I don't think that's the way it should be if you're in a Christian life. And so we try to, to just put this in a different light, you know, and, and, and that's kind of the way the book starts out and kind of moves forward. And it's interesting because that was one of the first things I expected to have is that he becomes a vigilante. He gets rid of his faith. He doesn't believe he's mad at God, but none of that happens. And I thought about how refreshing that was. There was a discussion among some of our Christian authors, and they were talking about how people tend to uh, glorify the villains because villains are great to write. But one guy actually said, what if we don't glorify the villains, but the heroes? Let's make the heroes real heroes who are yeah. strong in their faith. They're not weak in their faith. They're strong in that faith. And I said, that's very tantalizing because we tend to like the villains because villains really show the condition of the heart and all of its complexities. But just as complex is staying right, God, just as hard is staying firm in your faith, don't understand. And just as hard as learning to trust him when your life has been flipped upside down as our main character, one of our main characters, rather, Jonathan, experiences. So I think that is that this book in and of itself is a teaching moment. And I hope whoever hears this podcast needs to hear that, that you don't have to turn into Liam Nielsen from Taken. And we all love that scene in yeah. Taken where he says, I have a special sort of, I have a certain set of skills. That's like yeah. the best ever. I mean, no matter where you are in the world, you could just have that one scene and it's the best ever. But imagine him not taking advantage of that. In fact, he grows closer to his family. But his family also has an interesting dynamic because one thing you find out with his family is that they also are affected by what happens on this day. And he does something that's very important. He begins to train them, but it's not training them in the traditional way. And without giving away too much, what are they trained on? So the, they are trained in a special form of martial arts that really this one family, the, the seven dragons, um, uh, uh, understands. And, and, and I'll say this, you know, without trying to give away too much, but when you're reading this book, uh, pay attention to two things, all the characters, because <laughs> every character has some level of importance and continues to have some level of importance. And then also the timeline on, on where things are happening, because those, those will always come back to, to help you. But, but that type of martial arts is something that's 
you know, uh, uh, from a family who was among the first of the ninjas, right? And, uh, and I, I think what they are, are giving back is this very spiritual form of martial arts, not just a, you know, it's not just your normal Jackie, Jackie Chan movie, <laughs> which is awesome, but it's, it's a little bit more than that. I think I like that aspect, too, of making more martial arts more of a connection with the spiritual realm and a connection with spirituality. Yeah. Right now, it's, it's seen as something that is exclusive of that. But in your book, you actually bring it together because they may know all these things, but they can't do anything unless the Lord is with them. And so there's one particular scene where the boys are learning and training because he has other children other than the one child that was abducted. Uh, and they're training and they're learning how to listen to the air or they can be so attuned to the air, they listen to it, but they doesn't. But it's not that they're so dependent on their skill set, it's that they're dependent on the Lord to help them with their skill set. And so those are some of the things that come to mind. What I like about it, too, is that it is not angsty. At least this book isn't. And I say <laughs> that because when you have child protagonists who take up a lot of word space, they tend to be really angsty. And I hate that. I mm. honestly hate that because I read some of the young adult books now and it's so much angst. Oh my gosh, whatever shall I do? My dad's doing this and my mom's doing that. They don't care about me. So I have to go to Johnny's house and I have to decide if I'm going to smoke crack with Johnny. And this is just really, this, ugh, this angsty. And I hate that. And these kids aren't angsty. And I like how there's that family element to this whole story. And I would say not a lot of stories encompass the family. Usually it's one individual separated from the family. But in your case, the whole family becomes this main character. Right. So, and, and that's, that's very interesting uh, that you say that. Um, I'm going to try to tell you a story without giving away um, uh, what the future would be in, inside of the book. Um, but, but there's a, a story that I tell. Um, uh, it, it's, so there's many series, first of all. So there's the, the Prophecy, of Seven, Prophecy of the Seventh Elizabeth. That in itself is the main core of the series. And then uh, there are offshoots from that. So there's the Acts of the Dragons. There's the Agents of Acts. There's uh, Zero to Ten. So there's other series that, that are involved here. But one of the stories that I tell on the Acts of Dragon, which is an offshoot of the main branch, um, is it involves a, a, a student or a, a, a child that's the same age as the other children that, are, that you're reading about right now. And um, as, she, as one of the characters looks at another character, she says, I noticed that you call your, your stepmother, you know, by her name and you don't call her, you know, mom. Right. And I noticed that your stepsister calls, you know, it does, does the opposite. She, she does it kind of more of a correct way. And she says, God has a message for you. He didn't, your, 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 your uh, parent did not pass away. You know, it, it's, it's not that that wasn't a bad thing. This new person coming in isn't really a replacement for that person, but it is a blessing to you to have this strong person in your life and to continue on. So you have one child saying to another child a godly thing, right? Uh, whereas I don't find that in, in a lot of books, especially if they're action books or there's something like that. I don't find that willingness to say that that's true. And, and look, you may be thinking, well, I don't know anybody like that. I know lots of people like that. You know, my entire church is full of youth that are amazing, that will not hesitate to tell you that God loves you, you know, and, and I feel like we miss that sometimes. And we have so much of what you described, all the angst is there, you know, uh, and, you know, 
children who don't respect their, 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 their elders or don't respect anyone really sometimes, you know, it can be really harsh. Um, and I felt like there just needs to be a little bit more of what I feel is the real truth, you know, which, which can be something that's uplifting. And you show that dynamic of children needing their parents, parents needing their children, because Jonathan dealing with this massive blow to his life, his reality, he still realizes that his children need a father. Yeah. So there's a lot going on here. And then there's also the story of the abducted girl. Why was she abducted? What is all of this about? And then you find out these things as you go along. And timing is really important here. Now, there is a slip time element here because we travel, travel back in time to a biblical person who makes an appearance in the story. I won't go into that because I really think you'll enjoy that element of the story. But I like how all these threads from back in biblical times coming now to in the book 1999 when it first starts off on May 9th and then continuing forward as we begin to see the transformation of what's going on. And what's interesting is that even though this is an action-packed book, there's a lot of suspense because what Jared does effectively is keep you eating the breadcrumb and you're trying to find out what's going to happen, what's going on, what's the full story here. There is an antagonist in Book called the syndicate and the syndicate is just over an organization absolutely horrible and they are in the business of selling children and I couldn't help but contrast how here is this organization selling children and here we are with Jonathan's family uplifting children and I thought that would be a good contrast to see how when you uplift child and give them the ability to be who they are in God they actually reach their potential in different ways. And where I stopped at with the book before we started recording, there was a character who was taken by the syndicate and they are trained, but they are not rewarded. They are hardened, but they are not softened at all. And they're forced to obey or they die. But he is strong and he does have abilities too. But the difference is how does that react to these children who have been nurtured and trained at the same time. So there's a lot going on in the story. It's very much multi-layered, which is why I was telling Jared how much I really, really enjoyed eating the book, sipping on it, chewing it. It was that type of story. It's extremely meaty. What has been the response to your book? So first of all, let me just say that it's really such a blessing to hear someone describe it who gets what you set out to do. And as an author, I think that's probably the most rewarding um, uh, thing you can you can hear from someone is that when they're explaining it back to you, you're like, yeah, yeah, that person gets it. That person gets it. And and I just wanted to say thank you for that. So that's, that's amazing. Um, I, I, I agree with all those things that you you actually just said. And I think those are, are very interesting. And I, I'm so um, anxious to hear, you know, when you get to uh, further in the series and, and to see how some of that how, how some of that comes to life and some of that transpires. So I think that's really, really kind of cool. OK, so let me go back to your, your question. The response itself really has has been quite well. So, I mean, I, I think each of the books that I've written has won some type of either award or five-star review or, or something like that for the entire series. You know, it, as an author, you I, I did not become an author to become a millionaire, and I don't know if that's even possible these days. Maybe it is as an independent uh, author. But what I became an author to do, and I, I was looking at this today on my wall, um, what I became an author to do was to, you know, have a book where... 
someone, it touched someone's life. I didn't choose whose life. I didn't say, you know, it has to be this many people's lives or it has to be, you know, 100,000 people or anything like that. I just said, I wanted to touch someone's life. And what I pray about is that the book will have some effect on someone's life. I don't know who need to know who that person is. It doesn't really matter to me as long as God can see it, right? As long as God's using that to, to work. And so, you know, having said that, God always surpasses the things that I ask for. And uh, we have seen tremendous response from the book. Um, I think we have, you know, touched many hearts. Uh, I think God is, was, was awesome enough to include me, you know, in some of those responses coming back to me and not just being hidden from me. And so that, that, that's amazing to me to be able to see that, that people not only like the book or like the series, but also, you know, are touched by it. And I, I think that's a more, a more important thing for me. Um, I, we were honored as, as a series, uh, I was honored with uh, the um, Spirit Field Fiction Award, which was amazing to me because that, I, I didn't even see that coming. You know, sometimes you, you know of contests, maybe someone enters you in, maybe you entered yourself and you see, you know, the reward or, or that award come through and you're like, hey, that's great. You know, someone else, someone else thought this was worth Worth, worth the award. But the Spirit Field uh, Fiction Award, when I received that, that wasn't on my radar, you know, and that was like amazing because, like I said, not only did someone get it, but they saw it the way that I saw it, which is always good, you know, to have someone else see something the way you see it. But the fact that they chose me out of, you know, uh, you know, out of all the things that are out there to to pick up this book, to this series, to read it, and then to come to that conclusion um, that it deserved this specific award uh, was amazing to me. So, so I would say that we've we've done a really good job, and I'm anxious to see what people will think of what we have next, what I, what I have next out of this. And if you're wondering why I keep saying we, it's because uh, it's not just me as I go to write these. I may be the author of it, but it is truly my family working on this with me. Um, my my youngest daughter, when she was, I think, 11, uh, one of the books that she co-wrote with me um, won the first award that we actually received, which was uh, quite amazing. That that book was The Art of Each Truth. I am so glad that you got the Spirit Filled reward, award. That is not an easy award to get, and I'm so thankful that you got it. But we are at the end of our show today, and I want people to have an opportunity to find you online. So go ahead and give us your social media outlet. So uh, you can find us at e7universe.com. Um, you can find most everything about the E7 Universe uh, right there. You can also follow us on Facebook. Um, the Facebook name is really, really long. It is the prophecy of the seventh Elizabeth. So the whole thing, uh, you can follow on Twitter if you like E7 prophecy, uh, uh, there as well. So, um, I really, uh, appreciate all of you, uh, for, for listening. I appreciate you, uh, Park, for having me on here. This has just been amazing. In the few moments we have left to go ahead and encourage our authors out there whom God has given the gift to write to pick up the pen and do so. So I'm happy you, you you know, for giving me the opportunity to say this. Um, I, I would say it this way. If you are someone who feels there's a story there, or maybe you know there's a story there, write the first draft. Don't even think about whether I should publish it. Don't think about whether it's going to be, you know, uh, you know, end up being a number one seller. Don't think about those types of things. Just write the first draft. And please don't think that the first draft is the one that's going to go out to anywhere because eventually you're going to have to write the second draft. But what I learned is if you can just get the first one written, it is way easier to go back through and edit a book and smooth it out than it is to just get it out, get it into, uh, you know, type it all out the first time. So my encouragement would be trust that God is with you and just write that first draft. You will never regret having done that. Uh, and then from there, the world becomes open to you. 
Jared, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for being with me on the show today. As you know, I really enjoyed having you, and I cannot wait to have you back and have you back real soon. Parker, this has been amazing for me, so I really, really appreciate it. And we were talking today to Jared Edge. He is the author of the book, The Prophecy of the Seventh Elizabeth, which is called The Battle Between Light and Dark, the first book, second and third is available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. So make sure you go ahead and pick up your copy today. What I really enjoyed about the story is the family aspect. It's not just one person who has center stage. The family itself has center stage. And if you were listening to Jared as he was talking, he said, I may be the author, but this really is a family book. Everyone in his family had some part in getting this book done. If you are an author out there and you know God has given you the gift to write, why don't you heed the advice that Jared said? He said, go ahead and write the first draft. Don't worry about publishing. Don't worry about whether or not it's going to be on the New York Times bestsellers list. Don't worry about any of that. Just get it done. You know that story is out there, that it's in your heart. Go ahead, pick up the pen and write stuff. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day.